You see, confession is twofold. It is this. It is recognizing and acknowledging that we have angered our God. We have done wrong. It says we have become unclean. Acknowledging that even though we try our very best, we can't make up for our wrong. Confession means I'm not going to try better, God. It means, Lord, I can't fix this. And confession means I deserve to be swept away by my sin, Lord. And confession means acknowledging the times you failed to turn to God. And confession means that we deserve to be handed over to our sins and have God hidden from us. But confession doesn't stop there. Confession involves turning to God. Yet, even though he cries out, how can we be saved? Yet, you, Lord, are our Father. This message is from Rock of Ages Lutheran Church in Payson, Arizona. Ancient faith for today's world. December 3rd, 2023. Isaiah 64, 1-9. I was at a friend's house. I, I don't know how old I was, but you know, it's probably one of my earlier memories. So I'm thinking I must have been maybe around seven years old or so. And my friend lived on a farm. So we had a lot of fun playing around in the hayloft and running through the fields where the cows were and walking through the muddy, manure-filled cow yard. And then after walking through the muddy, cow-filled manure yard, coming into the house and having fun playing where there was nice white carpet Nice white carpet in which some of us forgot to take our shoes off. And there you could see it from the doorway, across the hallway, in the living room, up the stairs, footprint after footprint after footprint. And it was about the size of a seven-year-old shoe. So when his mom came in, I don't think there was any chance of hiding the fact that we had tracked that dirt through the house. And no matter what we had done, it was pretty clear there was a mess. You know, when God looks at our life, how does he see the, the life that we live? Sometimes he sees that, that trail that we've left behind. And maybe we can try to deny it, or we can try to just pretend we haven't left that track, that mess after us. But Isaiah teaches us that God comes And it's not like, as I mentioned, the carpet, but rather our clothes. And he comes with, as we'll see in our series, garments of salvation. And he takes what is covered with what we have messed up, our filth and our rags, and he takes it and he gives us clean garments, what he calls garments of salvation. So today we'll we'll look at the first part of our series as we see how important it is, as the king's coming with garments of salvation, how important it is to confess the stain of your sin. And as he comes to acknowledge what we have done. We read from Isaiah chapter 64. Isaiah here is making a wish that the Lord would respond, that the Lord would act on behalf of his people. You see, during Isaiah's time, the Assyrians were pretty much devastating the lands around them. And during Isaiah's time, the northern kingdom would end up falling at the hands of the Assyrians and being destroyed. And Jerusalem itself would even be at a time surrounded. And so Isaiah has to write, Oh, Lord, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains would tremble before you, as when fire sets twigs ablaze and causes water to boil. Come down and make your name known to your enemies 
and cause the nations to quake before you. Pretty bold request. That the God who is seemingly above us and far beyond us, that he would rend the heavens, that he'd tear an opening, so to speak, and make a way that he could come down to this earth. And when he does so, you can be sure, he's going to make clear to his enemies his name. The Lord is great, and the mountains will tremble, and his enemies will quake. That's what Isaiah wants. He wants God to deal with all the problems, the, the evil in the world around Israel, and to deal with it by crushing them. Seems like a pretty bold request. Maybe at times you feel that way. Lord, if, if you would just interact with this world a little bit more, you could bring justice to the world and to the nations. Just step into the scene of history. We know what God has done that. We read in verse 3, For when you did awesome things that we did not expect, you came down, and the mountains trembled before you. You'll think back to the time about 700 years before Isaiah, when God did come down, a pillar of fire by night, a cloud by day, he led his people, and God himself came down and said he would be with them. And yes, the, the nations, powerful nations like Egypt trembled, and the mountain like Sinai shook as God came down. He came down in power to make his name known. He says, Since ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. There is no other God. You don't see some chronicle or record of a, another deity or God of this world who did what he did for Israel. God crushed Egypt. God made the walls of Jericho crumble. God made his presence known among his people with miraculous signs and powers. And no other God has ever done that. That's our God. He's done it in the past. And that's just what Isaiah is getting at. Is, Lord, I know you've shown your power in the past. Why can't you show it now? Maybe Isaiah's plea echoes out today as believers look at the world and they think, God has to deal with this problem. This world is just suffering under the nations and unjust actions and evil rulers and he needs to come down and do what he did in the past. And then he also needs to do that for his people so they might know how great he is. After all, he's the only one and the world needs to see that. But Isaiah says, you come to the help of those who gladly do right, who remember your ways. Israel did that for a time. They didn't stick with it. They gladly served and praised their God, but for how long? Isaiah then gets to the point that we must focus on today. When God comes, when our king comes, we must confess the stain of our sin. He says, when we continued to sin against them, against your commands, you were angry. You know, when the people of Israel, time after time, for 700 years, failed to remember that God came down for them, that he showed his power to rescue them. For 700 years, they just ignored his commands time after time, generation after generation. How long would God put up? He was rightly angry. And Isaiah comes to that conclusion. How then can we be saved? How about you? You want God to come down in power and might? 
Do you want him to show his power to the nations, which includes you? And then think about the record that stands in the book of life and the record that stands in the book of deeds and where your name is. Isaiah must confess, all of us, and notice he includes himself. Isaiah the prophet says, along with all the people of Jerusalem and Judah, he says, all of us have become like one who is unclean. You know, to be unclean was to basically be covered in something that God could not stand, sin and guilt, something you cannot bring into the house of God. Not that Isaiah was wallowing in a pigsty, but something like a pig, for example, would have been unclean for the Israelites. And he describes himself as being like swine, that he is unclean and not fit to come into the house of God because of the filth that taints him. And not just Isaiah, he mentions all the people of Israel. The good ones, yes, the good ones. The bad ones, yes, all of them must confess. All of us are like one who has become unclean. At the start of his letter, Isaiah had to cry out, I am unclean. At the start of his book. And he says, all our righteous acts, that is the, the best that we do, what we think is serving God, all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. The word here is pretty graphic when it describes the, the rags that a, a woman would use on her period. This is not something that you can bring before God and say, I'm clean, God. Isaiah is saying, all of us are filthy. Our, our garments are stained when we come before God. You know, if I were to say that when I carried all that, that manure into the house on the white carpet, I was bringing in the mail. You know, I was helping because I was bringing in the mail. from the, I wasn't, but imagine if I was helping in some way. Do you think that that person would have been pleased that it came in their house, tracking that manure because I was helping in some small way? That's what our righteous deeds are like. They're, they're, they're good things, perhaps, but they're tainted by what we drag with it, by the guilt of our sin. Every good deed on our own and of our own accord comes with the guilt of sin along with it. And even the best that we do will not measure up who cannot say that they must join with Isaiah in confessing? How then can we be saved? The king is coming. He's going to see the stain, the stain on your clothes and on all of our clothes. He says, because of this, we all shrivel up like a leaf. We've seen that this time of year. And like the wind, our sins sweep us away. The ultimate cause of our destruction is our own sins, which, in a sense, take us and carry us off. And they carry us away from our God and into guilt and condemnation before him. And we're swept away by those sins as we shrivel up in our sins. And Isaiah, unfortunately, must add, no one calls on your name or strives to lay hold of you, for you have hidden your face from us and have given us over to our sins. To call on God's name means to do what we're doing this morning, to worship him. Isaiah is saying, no one, no one right now is worshiping the Lord. In ancient Israel, as the Assyrians were surrounding them and the nations were crumbling and Israel was fearful and Jerusalem was about to feel like they were falling, it says no one was calling on the Lord. Imagine that. And God hiding his face from them and giving them over to their sins. 
And there's a, a frightening thought. As we come before God with our sin and the stain of our sin, because we've been wallowing in some mud or some filth, God says, I'm going to hand you over to that. If you want to enjoy the stains of your own garments and you want to make yourself filthy, I'm going to hand you over. And it says he's given us over to our sins. Lost in sin, wallowing in the rebellion and the guilt, we are those who must say, how can we be saved? But Isaiah does more than confess the wrongs that he and the people around him have done. You see, confession is twofold. It is this. It is recognizing and acknowledging that we have angered our God. We have done wrong. It says we have become unclean. Acknowledging that even though we try our very best, we can't make up for our wrong. Confession means I'm not going to try better, God. It means, Lord, I can't fix this. And confession means I deserve to be swept away by my sin, Lord. And confession means acknowledging the times you failed to turn to God. And confession means that we deserve to be handed over to our sins and have God hidden from us. But confession doesn't stop there. Confession involves turning to God. Yet, even though he cries out, how can we be saved? Yet, you, Lord, are our Father. The relationship is still there. He is the God who not just created them and made them, but as their Father, he adopted them, brought them into his family, cleansed them, washed them, and made them his own adopted children, dearly loved. That's what we can say. Even though we come before God with our guilt, confessing our sin means turning from that sin, acknowledging the horrible ugliness of sin and saying, Lord, yet you are my Father. How great the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God, John says. We have been cleansed And our Father is the one who cares for his own. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are the work of your hand. That takes a little bit of humility to say that we're just clay. God did that, right? He, He formed us out of the dust. In humble lowliness, the sinner acknowledges their relationship as mere dust formed by God, entirely dependent on him, as not only the Father who formed us, but the Father who still claims sinners as his own. You are our Father. And so, Isaiah pleads, Do not be angry beyond measure, Lord. Do not remember our sins forever. Oh, look upon us, we pray, for we are your people. Lord, I confess my sin. I acknowledge the ugliness. I confess you ought to hide your face in anger and turn away from me. How can I be saved? My best works can't make up for it. Lord, you're my Father. Don't be angry. Don't turn away. Don't remember my sins. Don't hide your face. Because we, I am, and all of us are your people. This is confessing our stains turning from our own ugly guilt, which we cannot cover or hide, but turning to our loving God. You know, God fulfilled these words of Isaiah. O Savior, rend the heavens wide, as we sang. Come down, come down. But when he came, it wasn't as expected. The people threw their garments on the ground to praise him as he came, riding on a donkey in lowliness. 
and he had dust on his feet and perhaps maybe even some dirt occasionally on his face. The king came. And the king came in such lowliness as he came down from heaven, not to this time shake the mountains, but to do what the father desired, to bring back the children of God lost in their sin. And for all those who confessed their sin and praised him, they found in him the Lord came down. And he did awesome things, as Isaiah says, awesome things we did not expect. This time it wasn't shaking the mountains or destroying the Egyptians. It was the Lord himself painting on a cross. The awesome thing was him taking the place of sinners to shed his blood so that what Isaiah said in chapter 1 of his book here could be fulfilled. Though your sins are like scarlet, they are crimson, they shall be as white as snow. God takes these garments, makes them clean by his own blood. And the king of glory comes, and he comes with garments of salvation to clothe us in righteousness. And now, as we know, he is our father. We confess the stain of our sin, turning from the ugliness of sin to the beauty of who our God is. He is our father. He's redeemed us and purchased us by his son. And we will live with him in his kingdom with garments of righteousness won by Christ forever. The King is coming. Confess the stain of your sin and trust in him. Amen. <laughs>